My name is Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is episode 173 of the podcast is taking you on a journey through all of the adventures of the Marvel superhero universe from the beginning in the order in which they were released. We started back in the day with the Fantastic Four number one from 1961 and we have, as of last week, broken our way into a new calendar year. So excited for 1968 because it's the year everything changes. And mankind's got to be ready. 1968, so, down with the anthologies. Yes. Anthologies have been very, not very slowly, very quickly actually moving out the window uh, as we, this episode, uh, finish yeah. on the first week of release, January 2nd, with Captain America 100, and then dive into the second week of release with Captain Savage and his Leatherneck Raiders 2, Daredevil 38, Fantastic Four 73, and... The Incredible Hulk 102. There's only one more anthology issue, so I'll be done. We'll talk about that next week. So while it doesn't sound like it, we're actually covering two quote-unquote number ones tonight. Yes, these are two cool. of the uh, the big things from January, because we're in the season where Marvel's doing new stuff every month, and Captain America and Incredible Hulk. All right. Um, 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 should we go for it? Yeah, I am so glad this landed in your lap. Like, Why? it just makes me happy. Because Captain oh, America is your guy. Yes, I'm glad, too. It's awesome. Captain America, number 100. Big premiere issue with, you know, one of the most iconic covers ever by Actually, Kirby. Before we get into this, have I told you yeah. why young me thought Captain America 100 was numbered 100? Why? Well, I wasn't sure. But I knew that Captain America had had a Golden Age series. So I figured that Captain America pulled a Flash. At the time, I didn't know that the Flash had done this either. But I figured Captain America had had 99 issues of the Golden Age and so started with issue 100 in the Silver Age. That would have been pretty awesome. Yeah. For those out there who are wondering, he only went to 75. And he wasn't even in 75. It was Captain America's Weird Tales. And he wasn't. Yeah. But then there was like the 50s. So they could have added three more. But still, it wouldn't have been 100. Right. Or whatever. Anyway... This monster unmasked, frozen, and a giant slab of ice stands the figure of a man, a man unique in all the world, exclamation point, a man for the ages, a living legend, worshipped as a demigod by the northern tribe who found him. He has existed thus for two decades until at last, until at last, I'll get to that in a second, peerlessly produced and proudly presented by Stan the Manly and Jack King Kirby, embellished by Sid Shores, lettered by Artie Simek, treasured by Irv Forbush. And if you've read Avengers 4 or just listened to us talk about Avengers 4, you know what it last means because it last means that a cranky pants Namor, fresh off of a loss against the Avengers, approaches these these tribal people, whatever they're supposed to be, and 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 is like, "You can't worship that. I'm cooler than that." And he picks up the capsicle and he tosses it into the water. And then he goes about his business because he's happy that he, like, ruined these people's day. Um, But the Avengers are also fresh off of just fighting Namor. And they're in their submarine. And they happen to see this icicle thing land and start melting because the waters are kind of warmer. And it's like there's a man in there. And they pull the man in. And it's the Avengers. And they're like, wow, it's really – it's Captain America. Yay, that's crazy. And he wakes up. um, But actually he wakes up. In a Wayne's World, flash forward because the whole time he was just like kind of daydreaming because, as we recall, 
not last issue, but kind of last issue in Tales of Suspense 99, he and Black Panther were captured by Baron Zemo, question mark, um, and they were kind of knocked out and stuff. So he sort of just was having a dream to sort of, uh, you know, catch us all up. He wakes up, the mysterious speckled lady in the green outfit, so you know she's a villain, has been ordered to shoot Captain America dead by Baron Zemo. Just before she pulls the trigger, Black Panther says, look out, Cap, and pushes him out of the way. Cap also thinks to himself, did she just aim high or was that my imagination? Irma then turns to Baron Zemo and says, look, see, you see me pull the, you saw that I pulled the trigger, right? So obviously I wanted to kill him. It just didn't work. Why don't we focus on killing the whole world and kill Cap and Black Panther later? And Baron Zemo's like, that's actually a great idea. You're right. So anyway, here's my giant computer that controls the satellite that's going to kill the whole world. And if you could just hand over, you know, the GPS stuff in that briefcase, which is why you're here. And she's like, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I'll do that. And then the briefcase magically transforms into an awesome gun. And she blows up the computer and destroys all his hard work. And he's like, no. And before Baron Zemo can, uh, 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 you know, well, actually not before. Baron Zemo then orders all his goons to kill her. But before they can do that, Cap and Black Panther have found their second win, super soldier style. And they just start going to town on the goons, beating them all up Kirby style. And then at some point, uh, Irma Cruel joins in. And as she's karate, karate chopping and judo chopping guys, like her glasses fall off and Cap's like, oh my God, you're really Agent 13. And she's like, I was hoping you would notice. Um, anyway, the three of them are outnumbered. So they make their escape down like this tunnel of tunnels, you know, like Jeff- Jeffrey's tubes kind of. And uh, Cap has a gun even, and he's like blasting away just so they can't go into the tube after him because they'll get shot. When they make it to the other side, they like, uh, oh, Baron Zemo's like, you know what? Don't follow him. It's fine because they're going down a tube that leads them to that one room that's guarded by that awesome robot that I haven't used yet. And everybody's like, okay, that's a great idea. So as soon as Black Panther gets through the tube and lands on the ground, a giant Kirby robot attacks him. And then Cap and Agent 13 try and help, but the Kirby robot is too powerful until Cap finally notices that on its the back of its midsection are like two circle things, and he punches them, and those are like its weakness, and it dies. But before they can uh, uh, have a victory celebration, Baron Zemo and his goons come rushing in. Cap grabs Zemo and goes, you know what? Your mask is weird. It's supposed to be glued to your face, and it doesn't even look like it's you know, skin tight. So he rips off the mask, reveals to all the goons that it wasn't Baron Zemo they were working for the whole time. It was actually his pilot. His pilot had been flying over the scene when Zemo died. And he's like, you know what? I'll just take all his stuff and take his identity. And who's going to stop me? Um, The goons are like, dang it, you lied to us. And they shoot him dead. And then they're like, wait, who's going to pay us? Why do we even care who who Baron Zemo is? He was paying us, dang it. And then... And then Black Panther's like, actually, you're surrounded by all my people, so you could kill us now if you want, but as soon as you leave, they're all going to kill you. Would you rather just live? And they're like, yeah, that's actually smarter for us, especially since we're not getting paid anyway. So they all surrender. Cap and Agent 13 hug it out, and then we cut to Nick Fury and Dum Dum back in that one room that they always seem to be in, in a Captain America story, um, shooting Baron Zemo's uh, satellite out of the sky. 
Um, Black Panther, Captain America, and Agent 13 fly away in a Wakandan ship. And Cap suggests to Black Panther, hey, I'm not on the Avengers anymore. They could use a cool guy who can run fast and do judo chopping. Why don't you join? Next issue. It will lead us to the supremely sinister Red Skull. I think Black Panther should join the Avengers. That's a fantastic idea. I I agree. That would be very cool. Also, it wasn't really Baron Zemo. It was really Old Man Jenkins. (laughs) I don't know if this issue is good. I think it is, but... My, my nostalgia for it just absolutely makes it impossible for me to rate it in any sort of neutral way. I just I think would, it's awesome. I think it's pretty great. It's the last chapter yeah. of a story, which is so weird for a big premiere issue. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, I think it's pretty fun. It has an origin story at the beginning, which you need for a first issue. Yeah. It has um, an inker who is very accomplished in Captain America inking from the Golden Age. Mm-hmm. Um Anyone out there whose yeah. ears didn't perk up at the name Sid Shores, he's Marvel from way back. Um, his first gigs included Captain America 9, amongst other 1941, 42 issues. And he uh, he's done lots of Captain America and other timely in Marvel Comics, Human Torch, Submariner, uh, lots of characters. And he actually f- did his first Silver Age gig um, on the previous issue, tells of suspense, and in the first issue of Captain Savage and his Leatherneck Raiders. So he, mm. I just didn't notice his name until here. But yeah. So yeah, between him and Kirby firing on all cylinders in this book, like it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and very fast paced and like you know easy to read in terms of like what's going on and dynamic. Like I really liked all the parts where they're getting chased down the tunnel. And, have to fight this random robot and stuff. And I don't know. It was really cool. But yeah, I mean, you're right. It is for a premiere issue. It's the end of a story. But apparently they're going to be doing that with all these premiere issues. So <laughs> it's just the way it was for some reason. I think, you know, as much as we dog on it, um, Nick Fury seems to have been the only one that got – and Doctor Strange, the only ones who got the memo. Yeah, wrap up your stories so we can do a new story right. in the premiere issue. Uh, we'll talk about those more next uh, next episode. But um, But yeah. Um, I, I like I mentioned. This I was, was glad like this, came. this was like my oldest comic in my collection for the longest time. Ooh, just to make this about one. me, because uh, I used to just like my whole goal was just to complete Volume One. Right, this was when mm-hmm. Volume One was still going on. So this was it. Cap One Hundred was the first Volume One, and it was kind of weird because I was I was learning about and getting into Cap in like the three hundreds, which is you know nothing like Kirby Stanley stuff. So getting these older issues was kind of like, wow, he doesn't even care about his identity and he keeps working for the government. And this Kirby guy is like really in your face. Our earliest Captain Americas were the arc leading up to, but not including issue 300. So I've read, Oh yeah. What is it? Mother night, the sisters Uh of sin, maybe the red skull, red skull, long arc. Yeah. His, um, his friend who ends up getting turned into like a pantomime clown of some sort, (laughs) RV Larpin, or I don't know that native Um, American guy who just shows up black crow or something like that. Just Yeah. So I read those a few times, but you know, two ninety nine ends with red skull unmasking and suddenly he's old. Uh It's like, what? I've never, I still to this day have not read issue 300. That is so funny because my first Captain America issue was 301, which was the end of that storyline. 
Oh, so it goes past 300 into 301? So 301 was like the first Captain America comic I ever had. And the first page, it says, you know, spoilers, Red Skull is dead. I'm like, I don't even know who the Red Skull is. And then, like, Cap is old and the entire issue's about them trying to rejuvenate him and stuff. And I'm just like, this was the worst story for me to start on. But at the same time, it, like, hooked me horribly yeah. because the Avengers something- were all there and – there's yeah. something groovy about it. Well, speaking yeah. of the Avengers, we we get a retelling of them finding Cap, and mm-hmm. it's not a word for word retelling, but there's a lot of very. It's pretty similar, yeah. Yeah, paraphrase line. It's a famous red, white, and blue garb of Captain America. Um, Iron Man seems to have had the inside track though, because he knows that Captain America and Bucky vanished during a mission in World War II. Uh huh. No one's supposed to know that because Captain America kept on going. Well. I would meant to look up Avengers Four and see if they changed anything significantly. Did he say that in Avengers Four? I don't remember. I don't remember if we caught it in Avengers Four or not. We can look it up. But um, but yes, you know, I thought about here because there are after yeah, Steve Rogers, you know, but is believed dead. There are other Captains America to cover up the fact that Captain America died. Let's see. I don't think he does say it in Avengers Four. Wow. Oh, they do. Giant Man says on page six of Avengers four. See, I'm skipping all around. You haven't been heard from since the Second World War. So, whoops. Mm. So they 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 created a retcon to fix a problem, but there's still a problem. But that's okay. It's comics, kids. What are you going to do? It's interesting that they're voluntarily choosing to ignore the '50s cap at that point. At that point, mm-hmm. I mean they're they're altering the timeline because Captain America's comic book continued well after World War II, mm-hmm. and then it stopped. And then was revived in the 50s and then stopped after six months. And so whenever they retcon Captain America's history mm-hmm. as having gone down in the water, they're like, nothing else happened after that. I mean, kudos to Stan for doing that because I think it makes a much more mythological character. To tie him when directly to the war. To tie him to the war and have him go missing and be frozen and come back. You know, now he can be a man out of time at any decade, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you just decided he's just been going at it this whole time, then he's just going to get older and older. And also it's neat that all these other Captain America replacements and stuff. like He's one of the char- the few characters where it does make sense, especially during the war, like to replace him. Right, like Squirrel Girl guys. Squirrel Girl dies, and everybody's like, "Oh my God, who's going to replace her? Who's going to be the new Squirrel Girl?" And I always think, "Why does there need to be one?" Like, I don't know. That doesn't make sense. But, but Cap, especially during the propaganda time, like the forties, like, yeah, keep it going. Nobody knows as long as you can get a white guy with a square jaw mm-hmm. to do your stuff. Why not? It, Makes it sense. Goes crazy and beheads people during the. <laughs> Oh, well, that was yeah, yeah. That was a little like commie smasher guy. Anyway, um, uh, I really liked Agent Thirteen in this. I uh, thought she, she her, was great. Her fake out with the gun, and then mm-hmm. you know everyone who poos on Clark Kent can just go eat a walnut because like uh-huh. the cla- the glasses and disgust. Now it's more than just glasses, obviously, but so is Clark Kent. He's more than just glasses, but the hat and the hair pulled back and the mm-hmm. um, stern expression and the glasses and just probably just totally not expecting to see her here. Yeah. America was totally ro- uh, fooled. And she does a lot of fighting. She doesn't just, uh, the only thing I kind of hate is just because it's the sixties, I guess, but they, they refer to her as the girl like 600 times and they keep asking her, and they keep wanting her to stand back so they can take care of business and stuff. Right. But she kind of ignores them the entire time. Like even, like with the big robot, they're like, let us take care of this. And she's like, nah, I'm going to shoot it. You know, <laughs> like like she doesn't care what they say. I've noticed that kind of trope a lot more as I've been reading through comics, you know, from 
Mm-hmm. I don't know, less enlightened times. But even, even as recent as like the 80s and stuff, women getting told all the time, back up or get behind me. And those women saying, Psh, no, and stepping yeah. out and doing stuff. So yeah. the sexism on the men's part is still there and possibly on the writer's part. But the writer is also having the women say, no, I can take care of myself and stepping forward. So I guess yeah. if you're going to have the one, at least you also have the other. Right. At least she's showing strength even if the other people are dismissing her. I did notice Zemo's mask looked oh, like more yeah. sheer. You, in one point, you could actually see his facial features super clearly through the mask. Mm-hmm. You could see him kind of clearly all throughout the issue, but it could have just been like, you know, hooded facial, you know, shadows and stuff. But like on page 14, you can see his face and Catch America notices that you can see his face. It's not hugging his face tightly. Yeah. I feel like, the only maybe knock I'd have on this is like, once again, it's they meet at the end and they hug and then, you know, next issue is going to be a reset again. Because I don't think they actually do any dating or <laughs> I don't know when that starts, but I think it's a little while. Uh, so it's just constantly going to be like they keep encountering each other, but then we don't see what happens after the issue's over. But theoretically Cap- something. Cap at age of 13. Yeah, like. They walk away and say, like, I'm glad you found me. I'm glad you found me, too. And then next issue is going to be, I'm glad you found me. I'm glad you found me, too. Because we still even know her name. No. Like, they went on the one date, and he's like, marry me. And she says no. And that's the only thing that's ever happened. It's funny because Lily and I were watching the end of uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier recently. And she asked me what I thought about Sharon Carter. And I was like, well, okay, so the Sharon Carter, when I see her on the movies, I think about the Sharon Carter in the comics. And I'm looking at her through that lens. But I think about, well... Okay, but how does she get her start? Here we are, issue 100. We don't know. The name Peggy Carter has not been stated. We barely even know that that woman existed. Like, it's been mentioned Mm -hmm. in passing twice. Um, And we don't know that this is Sharon. So it's just, I don't know, it's just a really weird storytelling choice to leave this under the basket for so long. But we also know she lasts. And this, like, if he has a Lois Lane, she's it. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so this is this is the beginnings of that, which is funny because in the MCU she's not it. So, a little different, but that's okay. I like the Captain America recommends Black Panther. I don't remember ever making that connection. Yeah, so that was cool. Yeah, I also and think it's interesting that Nick Fury and Dum Dum continue to not be Steranko, Nick Fury and Dum Dum when <laughs> when Kirby is drawing him. <laughs> They're still very Kirby Shield designs, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Who needs jumpsuits anyway? We got rolled up shirt sleeves. Yeah, we just have this one room with a microphone. That's all we need. And it says next issue, Red Skull. And then on the letters page, it says next issue, the fourth sleeper. Oh, like, boy. I, I knew there were more sleepers, but I honestly didn't remember Kirby doing it. I thought it was like down the road. Haven't we only had one sleeper? There were three. Oh, that's right. And then they just formed into one. Right. They got Voltron. I don't know if I would count it that way, but whatever. I'm not the Red Skull. That's his choice, I guess. Anything else on your uh, your Big Band's debut issue? Nope. I think that was good. Well, here we are uh, going to the second week of release, January 9th, and a World War II story. Um, mm. I knew that this series was going to have ties to continuity. This was more than I expected. But we have Captain Savage no and uh-huh. his Leatherneck Raiders, the return of Baron Strucker, and where do you see the sensational samurai squad? Uh, I guess mm-hmm. that's a thing. <laughs> they must okay. be Russian. 
They must be Russian. This man is Captain Simon Savage, USMC. His steel nerves wound to the point of snapping. He silently watches his squad of hand-picked leathernecks run a desperate race between the clock and death. If blazing battle action is your bag, follow him through the next 20 pages. Got it? Then let's go. Edited by Stan Lee, written by Gary Friedrich, drawn by Dick Ayers, inked by Sid Shores. There's that name again. Lettered by L.P. Gregory. Forbush was here. So, um, basically, they're out on maneuvers and they are, you know, pretending to be doing a mission and they're trying to get a gold uh, within a certain time limit. And we get to meet all the raiders again because each one introduces himself. Um, Sergeant Yakety Yates is still talking trash by having to take orders from an ex-Navy man. And Savage doesn't like it. You spot out like that once more and your career as a Marine will be finished. So, yeah. Yakety Yates need to can his yakety. He's the yakety yak, don't talk back. Um, but then we get orders for a real mission. There is this mystery submarine out there sinking um, both Allied and Japanese vehicles. And they think they've found the island where this mystery vessel is docked. Uh, meanwhile, at the same time, which I guess is what meanwhile means, so I said the same thing twice, an unnamed Japanese captain sends his samurai squad uh, some similar information. So they're going to go check out the same submarine. So we pass 24 hours. Uh, the raiders are on a sub, all on their own, cutting through the warm black depths of the Pacific. They scuba onto shore where they are unknowingly spotted through a periscope by a familiar German bald head. We know he's German because he thinks in accented English, not because there's something about his baldness that says German, <laughs> just to clarify. <laughs> also, he calls the Raiders Dummkopfs, so you know. Yeah. Um, and at this point, the Raiders start tripping booby traps. They're like, you know, stumbling on booby traps. Uh, there's landmines, there's tripwire, there's poison darts, stuff like that. Um, basically the story continues like a mirrored narrative with the Japanese commandos. They get on the opposite side of the island. They also have to dodge their own share of traps. And the one who is watching both sides get closer is none other than Baron Wolfgang von Strucker. And he very graciously launches into a recap of events since we last saw him. So he lets us know how things have been going ever since he got kicked out of the Red Skull's good graces. He had to flee to Germany to get away from Hitler. And while he was in hiding, he's been plundering military equipment, also gathering together the most brilliant and most evil scientists to form an army, an all-powerful organization that will conquer the world. I feel like launching into G.I. Joe music here. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, he's been making Hydra. That's the reveal. He started Hydra while we weren't looking. And he commands his sub into a tunnel, where it rises into this underground sub place, what they call a sub pen, uh, hidden deep within the bowels of the tiny island. Um, so he gets off the boat. He goes ashore. He pulls a lever, and both the Leathernecks and the Samurai Squad are swallowed by holes in the ground. Um, basically all of the men, but not their commanders. Uh, problem is... Once each group finds themselves in an underground cavern, they go on the alert. And when they run into each other, each group automatically thinks that the other one is at fault and they attack and they fight. And of course, the Raiders come out on top because it's their book. But of course, they can, uh, before things can go on too long, Strucker orders over a loudspeaker for them all to surrender. 
and um, we get our, I guess, chronologically earliest Hydragoons in uniforms or like prototype uniforms. Like the 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 helmets aren't really the same. It's it's kind of a cute modification thing. Anyways, they all show up and they take everyone prisoner. Uh, but while the captured soldiers ponder their fate, two others, one from each side, still trudge on above until um, Captain Savage and the Japanese captain come face to face. And of course, they immediately attack each other, sword and gun. Um, but they don't last long uh, and they just go fist fighting. Um, surprisingly, the fight is not over in three panels. The Japanese captain actually gets some good licks in. Uh, and while they continue duking it out, Strucker heads to the surface because he really wants to witness the end of this fight in person, and then he wants to personally kill the winner. Uh, so yeah, so they're still fighting, and then finally Savage lands a solid enough blow to knock the Japanese officer to the ground. And um, during the fight, they were they were like trash talking, and the Japanese officer he understands English. At this point, he says. Don't hit me again. You win the fight. But, you know, hey, if y'all really aren't behind the sub-attacks, then, you know, maybe we should team up. And so they do. The American and the Japanese captain do team up, reluctantly decide to trust each other, and Strucker cackles gleefully from the shadows. Next ish, two against Hydra. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, do you feel better about reading this series than you did after last issue? I liked the story. But I still feel like as I read it, I go, why does this title exist? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Like, why couldn't this just be a Nick Fury story, you know? But it's a good story. It's just weird that these characters matter. But I guess maybe, like, Nick Fury and his Howling Commandos were selling well so they could do another one. I think that was mainly it. I think the war comics were still selling well. Rather than do another war comic out of universe, they they kept their war comic in universe. Yeah. And that's cool. Um, I mean, technically, all of these are in the same universe. I mean, if you want to get picky, I mean, Patsy and Hetty do share this universe, and so do the Cowboys mm-hmm. just another time. But, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. this has Baron Strucker in it, so it matters more. Yeah, notice he didn't show his face. I wonder if next issue, if that's going to remain the case so that they can, like, support their idea in uh, in uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that they had no idea he was the head of HYDRA, you know? Oh, I don't think about but that. I don't that's know if that's point. true. Because he is coming up to the surface, like you said, to gloat. So maybe he is going to show his face. But he hasn't Pop- so far. He has not so far. Um, Pop quiz, how many of the Raiders can you name without looking? <laughs> uh, Captain Savage. <laughs> and that's it. Um, I know there's a Native American guy. I think his name has Bull in it. Um, Yakety Yates is, of course, there. There's a teacher whose name I can't remember, like, it's not Dean Martin, it's like Lee Baker, maybe? Um, Chief J. Little. Okay. Is that his name, though? Or is that just like what his name There's is? another word. It's J. Little Bear or something. It's Little something. Right, right. Oh, Chief J. Little Bear, I'm sorry, you're right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think there's a, there's a European person. I don't think he's French, well, I think he's like a... I've barely got the howlers down, so I'm not going to kick myself for not getting these guys down yet. Okay. (laughs) Especially when they don't give me a recap every issue. Well, since Lee Baker is a school teacher, I'm just curious to see if they do anything with that. He's a reluctant school Uh teacher. He doesn't want to really, he doesn't really want to be serving. And I'm a school teacher. So I'm just kind of curious if that becomes a story point for him. That's a, uh, I think that none of them want to be 
where they are, which is kind of like the opposite of the Howlers who always want to be in the fight. Mm-hmm. Not that they're shying away from fighting in this, but like every so far, every two, every issue, aka all two of them, I think every single one of them is like, I'd rather be somewhere else in some form or another. Even our Captain Savage, who has to like lead the way, I think he kind of laments a little bit about not being a submarine captain anymore. Yeah. Yeah, and, and of course, Yates gives him crap about that. Yeah, um, he, so the, he doesn't want to be there. And the the Native American guy, I think he's pretty much talking about how he doesn't make any money here. And he could be mm-hmm. wrestling, all that. We talked during the Strucker arc in Strange Tales about how he started Hydra. And I did not know when that was revealed. I was expecting it, you know, somewhere down the road. I didn't expect it to be here. So yeah. ever not since just when, but before, when. You know what yeah. I mean? Timeline-wise, when. This is this pretty is late in the war. Two. No, but I didn't know Hydra was existed in World War II. Right. Then he goes back that far? Yeah. So that means he's deal. in competition with Hitler. And the Red theoretically, Skull. I, does he actually say the Red Skull or did you just throw that in there because it's probably true? Did I say Red Skull in my thing? I think he said like when he was disappointing Hitler in the Red Skull. I think oh, he just says th- Hitler though. I think, yeah, I think my brain just said Red Skull because we just did Red Skull. He, he disappointed Hitler. Yeah. So he is like that's the thing, like kind of why I hate when they just lump Red Skull and Hydra together. Like it's kind of a no brainer. Red Skull is popular, and let's just make him the leader of Hydra or whatever. It's like no, Baron Strucker is the guy who struck out on his own, pun intended, and became his old fa- his own fastest organization. Right? I mean, Red right. Skull at this point is still like kind of Hitler loyal, even though Hitler's dead. Like he's still trying to win for Germany. Mm-hmm. He's not doing his own thing. Strucker's doing his own thing. Strucker is the one who doesn't get along with Hitler and gets kicked out. And yeah, yeah. And so MCU, it's kind of sucky that they just they just dismiss him all the time. They give yeah they give Strucker's role here to Red Skull, which kind of makes you wondering what Strucker's good for. And he the was MCU? in Age of Ultron, but like just for a moment, basically. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, couple of points of culture. So the Samurai Squad. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's cool that we have a Japanese elite squad. The name isn't great. Uh, mm-hmm. f- like I just Googled Japanese elite squads, World War II. And of course you couldn't Google in 1968, but, uh, the Teishin Shudan is a special forces airborne unit. Um, so those became the kind of names you have, not samurai squad, but I will say this in the sixties, Popular awareness of Japanese and other Asian cultures was still extremely limited. Um, mm. We had not yet gotten the Kung Fu craze of the 1970s. So I think this is less of a, there's so much that you could have gone with and you chose a stereotype and more mm-hmm. of a, they know very little, but they're trying right. to include something and let's use samurai because that's Japanese. And that's cool. I do feel like, again, the insults are a little worse than when they insult Germans. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that is just because they seem to insult them physically, whereas right. you can't really do that with a German when you basically look like a German. But they're always talking about how short they are and their yips and their blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. This. But I will say that I felt like these elite samurai guys were actually elite and made a good showing of fighting. And I really like in the end how the two of the the captains decide to like work together because obviously something fishy is going on here. And one choice that I really liked is that other than the occasional honorable, there's not really anything tropey or accenty or stilted mm. about their language. They are presented with very normal English, uh, just that the Raiders can't understand them because they're speaking Japanese. 
mm-hmm. which makes sense. If they're speaking Japanese, we should be reading their language completely clearly because they're being very clear right. with one another. Yeah, they don't change all the L's to R's or anything horrible right. like that. Yeah. Um, Harakiri is mentioned in this. Uh, the soldiers like if we mm, fail, they're gonna. Ma- yeah. So, um, I think this series is probably gonna focus a lot on the Pacific and the war with Japan. So we're probably gonna have more mentions of Harakiri. Um, the more common term is seppuku. It's a ritual form of suicide. Uh, it could be done voluntarily for various reasons, but historically. Like a long time ago, it would also be mandated as a form of capital punishment, mm. whether by your commanding officers or your, you know, societal people in charge of you, whatever. So, and that's what he's referring to here. But the thing is, that was legally abolished in the 1800s. So, mm. like a long time before this. And voluntary seppuku continued a little bit into the 20th century, but it was no longer used like a punishment. It was still very rare by this point. So, we're going to see it probably mentioned more, but I just want to put it out there. This is no longer a thing in Japan at this point. There's one very famous exception because at the end of World War II, a group of Japanese commanders all committed a group seppuku, but that's okay. an exception. Well, one, at least they didn't spell it Harry Carey. Right. And two, that 2013, the Wolverine movie had them doing it too. So mm. I guess we just don't get over this, this idea. This notion that if, if you're a failed Asian in World War II, you're going to kill yourself or something. Right, right. I was also just, because this is all new, I was very curious if swords were part of the standard kit for soldiers mm. in World War II Japan. And yeah, they were. Uh, it's a military sword called Gunto. Uh, it is part of their standard kit for a lot of Japanese forces in World War II. So we will see guns and swords in the series. Well, I'm sorry. Even if it wasn't, if I'm going to go around calling my squad the Samurai Squad, we better need to have be swords. carrying swords. <laughs> but you'll notice they all hold guns on the cover. Uh-huh. So that's interesting. Maybe there's a um, comics code thing there. I don't know. I think they're Wait, just trying why, why to. Would, why would guns be better than swords? I don't even they're know. They're just trying to mirror the guns being held by the Ravagers. Right. Or the Raiders, I mean. Who's the Ravagers? Um, in Guardians of the Galaxy with uh, Yonto. Oh, right, 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 Raptures. <laughs> That's a little ways away. Okay. But yeah, I thought this was a vast improvement over the first issue. We got oh, Striker, yeah. we got Hydra, we got the Japanese squad. Um, and yeah, they managed to not be cartoonish bad guys. So no, pretty yeah. great. It was a really cool story. All right. Shall we move on to a less cool story? Spoilers. Oh, you didn't like this one? Okay. Well... I did not like it, but we can get into that in a second. Okay, here comes Daredevil, the man without fear. Number 38, the living prison. Dun, dun, dun. All for 12 cents. Uh, that's right, believer. Okay, so it starts with Dr. Doom in a prison jail thing saying, I can see, I can see. And the caption is, that's right, believer. Within the iron garb form of Dr. Doom is the desperately trapped mental essence of Daredevil. It happened last-ish. But there's no time for reminiscing now. The action's about to begin, and we don't want you to miss a single zock. Rejoice, O Marveldon. Stan the Man Lee and Gene the Dean Colon have done it again. Staunchly supported by Frank Giacoya, embellisher, Sam Rosen letterer, and Irving Forbush, apple polisher. That sounds bad. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Let's just call him Daredevil. Just remember, everybody, Daredevil's in Dr. Doom's body, okay? So Daredevil is in prison in Dr. Doom's body, and he's like, how do I get out of here? I can see this is crazy. Anyway, how do I get out of here? I know. 
I bet Dr. Doom is so arrogant that he didn't tell any of his henchmen about this plan. Because why should he explain himself, right? So I'm just going to call out to them and say, let me out. So he does. And they do. And they're like, what happened? And he's like, how dare you question me? And they're like, good point, good point. Meanwhile, we cut to Dr. Doom in Daredevil's body, skipping along. Um, While he's doing that, Daredevil makes it into Dr. Doom. I guess his plan, Dr. Doom, is to go to visit the Fantastic Four as Daredevil. And I don't know. He never really says what he plans to do, but I guess if they all think he's a good guy, he can kill them or something. Anyway, Daredevil has complete access to Dr. Doom's controls and stuff, so he goes to the radio room, I guess, and he calls the Fantastic Four, and he's like, Dr. Doom and Daredevil have switched bodies, and Daredevil's on his way, and he's going to get you. And Reed Richards like, that does sound like Doom. I think we will believe him for once in the entirety of the Marvel Universe. Um Daredevil then tells uh, his henchmen to go stop Daredevil, <laughs> and they go do that. And yet Dr. Doom, as Daredevil, beats them up and then says, look, I'm really Dr. Doom because I kept my ring imperial. And they're like, oh, shoot. So we messed up. He's like, yeah, you messed up. I'm going to kill you all. Go get Dr. Doom. I mean Daredevil. But it's too late. Oh, no. They try and get him. But then like the police see – Dr. Doom fighting a bunch of people and the police is like, hey, he's got diplomatic immunity. This is going to be an international incident. We better stop this. So they break it up and they're like, are you okay, Dr. Doom? And he's like, yeah, yeah, leave me alone. So he leaves. Boy, this is confusing. Then Foggy and Karen talk about how he's dating an ex-con and also running for DA or something like that. And Maybe he shouldn't do that. While they're talking about it, they look out the window. They see Daredevil Daredevil is talking to the woman that Foggy is now dating, but Daredevil doesn't recognize her, even though he should. And he's like, be gone, woman, and slaps her around. Um, Daredevil shows up as Dr. Doom, and he's like, you better switch my body. Dr. Doom's like, why should I? He's like, you'll see. So then Daredevil runs back to the Latvian embassy, gets back on the radio, and announces to the world that Latveria is going to attack all its neighboring countries. It's going to go to war with all its neighboring countries. And, oh, by the way, he gave Dr. Doom a transistor and said, listen to this, and then you'll find out why you want to switch back with me. <laughs> so Dr. Doom is listening to that, and he's like, oh, God, he just went to war with all our countries. We're not going to win that. We're not even prepared for that. So he runs back. He switches bodies with Daredevil. He then says, you know... It's not often that people get the one up on me. That was kind of amusing. I'm just going to let you go and not kill you. And Daredevil's like, seriously? He's like, yeah, this was funny. But anyway, I got to stop, you know, my country from being destroyed. So he does that. But before he does, he gets back on the radio as Dr. Doom, like he did before, even though it wasn't him. And he calls the Fantastic Four and says, yep, just to confirm, Daredevil... Dr. Doom and Daredevil's body is still on his way to see you guys, so be prepared. (laughs) And uh, so we leave with Daredevil as Daredevil swinging towards the Fantastic Four. Um, And it's to be continued in Fantastic Four number 73, the Exterminator. Was that confusing enough? It seemed awfully confusing, but... I think you made it clear enough. Yeah. Um, It, it It was a cool issue, but here's what I don't like about it. Okay. It really ignores so much potential stuff. Okay, like what could have happened here? Like Daredevil can see again, and that's like a line, one line. They do go by it a bit quickly. They, they just show his excitement, but they're like, okay, we, we acknowledge it. Now we got to move on. And meanwhile, Doctor Doom 
can sense things like he's never sensed them before, which you would think for a genius would be amazing because now you have a whole new insight into how the world works and, you know, all this stuff. And instead he has a thought balloon that goes, huh, it's weird that I can't see it, but Daredevil must wear some sort of cloudy goggles so that his other senses are accentuated. Anyway. Well, he, he mentions that the coverings over Daredevil's eyes are opaque, which matches the art but you know uh -huh. comic superhero eyes are done different ways and the fact that there's always a uh -huh. solid red you can kind of ignore that sometimes but yeah he's like this is weird i can't see through my eyes but i can still sense the world okay i'm good to go and that's it yeah he says now that he must by obscuring his normal vision so he assumes he can still see that daredevil can normally see or that he can mm -hmm. see right now because he doesn't take his mask off Right. By obscuring his normal vision, he has found a way to actually sharpen the use of his own senses. And I'm like, a couple things there. One, it's not just sharpened, okay? You can, like, read words with your fingers, you know? That's not sharpened. You can hear every wing flap of a fly, you know? And two, he should be overwhelmed by those senses and, like, I mean, that's more of an 80s, 90s thing, I guess. But he should just be on the floor crippled because mm -hmm. he's not used to dealing with those senses, Mm -hmm. You know, everything should be too loud and too smelly. <laughs> I don't know. No, I so get that, it. Was, that was just crazily dismissed for, I guess, action. And it was a very simple story. Um, mm -hmm. I liked the back and forth with the henchmen. Um, yes, that was funny. Sending them back and forth between the different Doctor Dooms. I liked Foggy and Karen, that whole stuff with uh, them and Debbie. They see Foggy and Karen have seemed to have gotten past all of the will they, won't they tension. Like, that's all over. Yes. Which is very nice. Yeah. At some point, they resolved that off screen, and I'm glad. Um, Foggy and Debbie are moving along nicely, which probably helps with the Foggy and Karen business. Mm -hmm. I feel like we don't get a lot of Karen these days. She kind of just stands around smiling. No, that's true, since she's not there to moon over both to moon over Matt and get mooned over by Foggy. And since Matt and Mike have not been in the office lately, Karen's... <laughs> primary role in the story has just been to stand there and be dialogue. They do mention Mike. I think we should what? keep track of that because I have a feeling they're going to try and sneak Mike out of our lives without telling us. I was wondering the same thing if they're like phasing him out, but um, friend of the show and listener Blaine Dowler said he knows when Mike Murdoch's last issue is. Okay, cool. So I think there's a definite end point to that. I hope that's true because they, it's so absurd. It's like, it, there's, it's going to be really hard for them to out this, but Hey, Let's see what they come up with. For the record, I told him not to tell me, so I do not know when Mike Murdoch ends. Okay, good. Uh, but it's almost like Gene Colan has moved on and is left yeah. that behind, but Stan Lee is keeping at least nominal acknowledgement at this point. Because you don't think the art is nearly as good as it used to be? No, no, no. They, I think he's uh, left Mike Murdoch behind. Oh, I see. But Stan is keeping I feel the like story. the art wasn't as great as normal, but he's also doing other things right now. Mm -hmm. He had like Submariner and Iron Man to do. He is double teaming it now, and Submariner is now a full length book. Yeah, so that's three. Yeah. That's three issues he did, and he's going to give up one of them because he's going to be doing Doctor Strange before too many more months. Oh boy! So maybe he gives up Submariner. I don't know. It was cool to have the Fantastic Four in here, um, and I like that it continued into a different book that hasn't happened often for us. This is our second interseries crossover. Mm hmm. So that was cool. Mm hmm. I just, I think one of the things I liked about this is that there are multiple points of continuity from the past that are feeding into this story. Like, it's following yeah. up on a lot of bits. And I really shouldn't, like, plug any sort of realism or 
or drama into these because I keep forgetting that Daredevil is supposed to just be kind of like fun and silly. Mm-hmm. Because that's not really how I think of Daredevil. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, at least not modern Daredevil. So it's like, this is just a body swapping adventure. And if you take it that way, it's cool. But like, if this happened in 2010, like, this would be a whole different thing. Well, shall we do Fantastic Four 73? We're kind of flying through these. This is either going to be a short episode or we're going to have to add more comics, one or the other. Oh, boy. Um, we only have two more comics and it's only been 45 minutes. So. We have two more comics? Fantastic oh, yeah, Four do. and Hulk. Incredible yep. Hulk. That's right. Fantastic Four 73, a giant guest star bonanza. Down, dig it down, dig it down, dig it down, dig it down, down. Was that Gunsmoke? I don't know. Bonanza. That's Bonanza. That's Bonanza, yeah. The Flames of Battle, in which the fabulous FF make their deadliest mistake. Pay attention, Pilgrim. This is important. In Daredevil 38, now on sale, we saw DD free himself from the physical form of Dr. Doom. Got it? Okay. But now, the demoniac Doc has tricked the FF into believing that Doom is about to attack them still in the form of Daredevil. So they think that it's the evil Daredevil, when really, it's just Daredevil. Take your post, Torch. Sound the alarm as soon as you sight him. I hope I can get my paws on him before you belt him with that souped-up pop gun. Of course, Reed Richards has a big old Kirby gun. A giant anti-Daredevil gun. Yep. Let Marveldom cheer. Let humanity shout. Stan the Man Lee and Jack King Kirby have bestowed another masterpiece upon mankind, exotically embellished by Joe Sinnott, laconically lettered by Artie Sinek. All right, so um, the Fantastic Four—they're—they're they're gonna fight, but they see Daredevil approaching, and Fantastic uh, and Human Torch goes after him. Um, but in the fight, he actually runs into a water tower, <laughs> which means he's all wet and out of the fight by page. <laughs> So while Daredevil's pulling Johnny out of the water tower because we can't let the Human Torch drown, oh no, that would, that would be terrible. No, I like Johnny. Spider-Man swings up. Spider-Man swings up and agrees to help. He even sees, um, after talking to Daredevil, he looks over and sees Thor, who is currently exhausted from his fight with the Wrecker. So he goes to talk to Thor and Thor says he's too busy to help out until Spider-Man goes all needles on Thor McFly and calls him chicken. <laughs> But nobody calls Thor chicken needles. Nobody. Meanwhile, Daredevil has gone on ahead because he can't wait forever for Spider-Man. Um, and he sees a Fantastic Four and he tries to talk to Reed. Um, but, you know, just like Superman and Batman, Batman does not want to listen to anything Superman has to say. So Fantastic Four or Reed and Thing, the only two Fantastic Four who are here, they uh, start attacking Daredevil. Um and they fight until they topple into Reed's Demolagon. Yes, it's called a Demolagon, which goes off and blows up part of the Baxter Building's roof. Happily, it doesn't shoot Susan Storm dead and kill her with the baby. Um, seeing the explosion from a distance, Thor's like, okay, fine. I don't have my powers, but I will help. And since he can't fly, he piggybacks on Spider-Man as they swing. <laughs> Up to the top of the Baxter building. Now, Johnny is awake by this point. He decides that Spider-Man and Thor must be Doombots. Because he heard last episode. And he knows that everybody's a freaking Doombot. So, Spider-Man fights the torch while Thor goes after the thing. And Daredevil's wrapped up in Reed Richards. And we get the big fight of the issue. 
At one point, um, Reed has himself wrapped around Daredevil's eyes, theoretically blinding him. But Daredevil is still able to grab stuff around him, basically, you know, using his radar and such. So, so Reed gets even more convinced that he's a Doombot with some sort of scanning ability. And, and so the fight just keeps going with more pages, like, like 10, 10 pages of fight until finally Susan runs out and puts a force field in front of Reed's punch because Reed is totally about to lay Daredevil out. But the force field stops Reed's punch cold. She says, y'all, Dr. Doom's in Latveria right now. He's on TV addressing a conference of ministers on the news. So this can't be Doom. And his cronies, y'all are being dumb. So stop. And they do. Yay. Yay. Um, Basically, Fantastic uh, Spidey and and Thor would actually see them leave. Um, I guess Thor is like off panel. It says he's going to go fight the record issue 150. Um, Reed and Sue kiss, and there's a big heart around the Baxter building. Next issue, Silver Surfer and Galactus. Ooh. Ooh. I'm not sure if Spider-Man's helpful or an instigator. (laughs) I'm going to go with yes. (laughs) Right. This was another action fest. Like, issue of Daredevil was an action fest. This is an action fest. And they were both fun action fests. Kirby is Mm -hmm. probably a little bit more fun. But, but, you know, it's, it's just... A big old fight. We do get mm-hmm. a picture of Daredevil without his opaque lenses that got commented upon last issue. That was really freaky looking. Yeah. I like the notion of showing the superhero's eyes in their hood. That's sort of a we're not DC kind of move, but it's weird when it happens sometimes. We don't see Matt's eyes often, even when he's not wearing his costume. Well, he has those, he has those opaque coverings. And he's got glasses. Right. So we don't know how, like, you know, quote-unquote blind-looking he is. Yeah, his eyes we maybe have never seen before. Mm-hmm. That might be a first time that we have seen Daredevil's eyes. And I kind of feel like it's just a mistake. Oh, that they were drawn uh, Because the anchor's clear. like, aren't you supposed to have eyes here? Oh. And then, you like, you right. notice the colorist is getting making all his, his eyes white in almost all these pages, too. So no one got the memo on how Daredevil's supposed to look, I guess. I guess. I do like that Spider-Man just shows up. Like sometimes stuff like that's cool because this is a world where like people share the same city. Mm-hmm. So you know, Human Torch. By the way, if you're a Human Torch fan, whew, I'm really sorry for this issue because yeah, he looked really dumb doing that. But yeah, Human Torch makes a big kaboom and kills a water tower. You'd think once in a while Spider-Man would just come across that and see what's Notice. up. Yeah. It's and I the like kind that of, they, they're like friends, but there's also still some animosity there because every time they hang out, they seem to fight each other. Right. It's the kind of connectivity that I felt like the beginning of the Yellow Claw Strange Tales arc was mm-hmm. playing into mm-hmm. that I f- still feel like is in its formative stages. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned in the Thor issue last episode that uh, – you know, stick a pin in a particular moment. There's not really any place for this encounter to go during the fight with the Wrecker, except for right after Thor's spirit goes back into his body mm-hmm. while the Wrecker is fighting the Destroyer before Thor makes it back to that fight. I mean, I liked seeing Thor and Thing fight, mm-hmm. but there's a full page right. splash of it. But you're you're right. It's like this kind of conclusion. <laughs> Based on what's going on right now, and them trying to just shoehorn it in, and the the Thor able to fight thing with no powers except for his own like physical strength. Well, he I sucks so. at it, so I like that too. 
yeah, like, true. He wasn't going to win if, if Sue hadn't stepped in. In fact, Thing was holding back the entire time, I think he said at some point, until mm-hmm. until Thor like made fun of the Fantastic Four and then he got mad. But uh, yeah, he wasn't going to win. Look at page 18. He's like getting thrown around like a ragdoll. True. We did get a sweet moment from him where he's like thinking about his dad. Oh, most imperial sire, though thou hast made me less than godlike, still am I truly more than mortal. I've been forsaken by thee, but neither my faith nor my trust have wavered. So he still believes in his dad, even though his dad is terrible and wretched and awful. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Thor. Um, I like to pull out cultural references. So there is a reference to Moshe Dayan on page nine, first panel. Go back mm. and read the sentence real quick. Um, six, seven, eight, nine. Uh, any one of those characters has the power to hold off a small army. Even Moshe Dayan would think of twice about tangling with them. Moshe Dayan was the Israeli defense minister during the Six Days War of 1967, which wow. was in the recent past at this point. He became this symbol of like fighting spirit, mm. especially among Jewish and Israel sympathetic corners of the population. Oh, so Stanley and Jack Kirby. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But yeah, I have a few notes on the last page, weirdly, but not a whole lot on the like the actual story story. Well, it's um, just a giant fight, but yeah. Giant fight. Someone says that Dee Dee would be, um, oh yeah, Reed says, I guess that clears things up, Dee Dee. And Johnny says, and this time he means Daredevil. And Spider-Man's like, not Doc Doom. And one, Dee Dee would never be a nickname for Doctor Doom. <laughs> but also, what do you think of the trope of using superhero initials? Well... Who else does that? FF, G- I guess. Yeah, GL. GL, yeah. GL's the, a big one. There's, there's, I feel like it comes up a lot. I had heard it said at one point that the character is still saying the name, but the letter is saving space and time by shortening it. Oh, but I feel like really? It, no. Okay. Although I do think it's weird that Reed Richards would say DD. Right. Because he, does, he doesn't seem like a nickname kind of guy, but. No. I like the um, nickname thing. I don't know. I mean. Daredevil is hard to nickname, I guess. He doesn't have wings on his head. Oh, Hornhead, they call him mm-hmm. sometimes. CA yeah. for Captain America. I've seen CA. Cap, CA, Winghead, Spidey, Webhead. <laughs> they like to use the head thing a lot. I think YJ for Yellow Jacket I've seen in Avengers books. That's a little getting a little awkward. <laughs> yeah. YJ, Yellow Jacket. What's harder to say? Well, it's funny because there are some that like um, it's longer to say the abbreviation. Right. Like, right? if you ever say WWW instead of World Wide Web, then right? it's, you know. Yeah. No one even knows what World Wide Web is anywhere. No. Or WWW. Right, because you don't have to put that on things. But yeah, uh, Hulk? Hulk. Okay. You know, our shows used to be an hour, and that's not a horrible thing, per se. That's that's true. That's true. Big premiere issue, the world's most powerful mortal and his full-length magazine at last. In his full-length la- magazine at last origin and all so this is the really weird one because talk about a weird place to start for a premier magazine but this world not his own having been transported to asgard by the fiendish loki a confused tormented hulk seeks the guidance of oldar the oracle but as the green-skinned goliath leaps across a bottomless chasm is it chasm or chasm? Chasm. And the it's mystic chasm. power of the Norse. Are you sure it's not like vase and vase? You could say either way. But anyway. I mean, I'm sure people say chasm, but it's chasm. <laughs> <laughs> mystic power of the Norse god of evil strikes again. Stan Lee panoramically presents the pulse pounding premiere by Gary Friedrich and Mary Severin. 
inked by George Tuska, lettered by Artie Samek. And with that, action lovers, away we go. Um, so yeah, he's falling, and he turns to Bruce Banner, and wouldn't you know it on the ledge of this pit that's never-ending or whatever is the Executioner and the Enchantress. And correct me if I'm wrong, but they were not in last issue, right? No. Okay. So apparently they're waging war on Asgard, and this is the first we're hearing about it. But while they're on their way to do that, they see Bruce Banner falling. And Executioner's like, let him fall. Who cares? And Enchantress is like, but he's human, which means he's from Earth, which means he might know Hercules. And I'm super into Hercules right now, so I'm going to save him. So she saves him. Meanwhile, the Warriors 3 are up there going, well, that guy was dead. That's too bad. I wonder what the deal was with him. Let's continue on to the Oracle and find out. So they go to the Oracle. You have to smack a gong because somehow that seems Viking to me. And uh, the Oracle shows up. It's a old lady, but she magically turns into a young lady. And they get all excited about that. And they say, Oracle, can you tell us what's up with that green confused monster that was we were trying to help earlier? And she gives the entire origin of the Hulk, which I don't need to really go over because you should all know that. Um, but yeah, and then they're like, oh, well, that was crazy. Um, and then what happens? Oh, she goes all the way up past his origin into even like his fights with Thor and Silver Surfer. And basically the the summary is that Hulk hates humans and humans hate Hulk. Um, Anyway, we cut back to Bruce Banner. He's bound. And the Enchantress is like, do you know Hercules? He's like, dude, just because I'm human doesn't mean I know everybody on Earth. That's racist. And Executioner's like, yeah, I'm just going to kill him. And so when he's about to do that, guess what? That stresses Bruce Banner out. He hulks out. And now the Executioner's like, whoa, wait a minute. I do know this guy because back in the... Tales to Astonish number 77, he beat me up. Second chances. And so they start fighting. Um, the Hulk beats him up again. And then the Enchantress is like, hey, we have a whole bunch of army, a troll army that we're going to use to attack Asgard. Let's attack Hulk first. And they try, but he like makes the, the castle they're in crumble or something like that. Um, anyway, so they're like, well, Hulk's gone. Let's attack Asgard. And the last thing the Oracle tells the Warriors 3 is Asgard's going to get attacked. So they prepare. War starting. Um, Hulk is not dead, though. They thought he fell down that chasm again, but he just grabbed onto the wall. And anyway, he makes his way back up, and he sees a giant troll army. So he defeats it all by himself. And then the Enchantress is like, well, I don't like that you did that. So she kills him with by pointing at him. And then they all leave and run away, you know, because they lost. And Odin's like... No one's going to die today that killed a whole army for us. So he awakens uh, Hulk by pointing his staff at him. Hulk wakes up, sees a strange bearded man pointing a staff at him and says, I'm not going to let you hurt me either, and tries to attack Odin. (laughs) The Warriors Three are like, whoa, 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 you misunderstand. He just saved your life. And and Hulk's like, no one saves Hulk's life. Hulk hit everybody or whatever. And Odin's like, how dare he attack me? And um, Fandral's like trying to keep the peace. And finally, Odin like says, okay, I won't kill you, but I am going to banish you back to Earth, which he does. Um, And if you hadn't guessed... If you hadn't already guessed, to be, oh God, Hulk in Is there a Hulk in you? I really hate that they keep saying Hulk in Oh, I think it's a thing for like ever. <laughs> it, it's just a really bad thing. Yeah, that's probably true. It's not really clever or cute or whatever. Anyway, so yeah, kind of a weird premiere issue, right? 
This is a weird one. This is definitely a weird one. Um, it's. I mean, we get an origin at least. It's a conclu- We do. It's a conclusion to a story, but there are like elements of the story that aren't even brought in until here. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, and Hulk is not Asgard or really tied much to Asgard. So to have his prior right. issue be be the third part of like some business where he's stuck on Asgard is kind of odd. And like Captain America 100, like reminds us of the Avengers, has Black Panther who's going to be in the Avengers. S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. is there. Sharon, excuse me, Agent 13 yeah. is there. We get his origin and backstory and it all feels connected. This and he's is fighting he's fighting a Baron Zemo, which is at least kind of his villain. Right. This is Asgard and gods and monsters and stuff. There's there's no Ross. No. There's no Betty, Betty Talbot, Rick, Rick. Leader, Abomination. No, none of that. Nothing. So this is it's really a, a Thor story. Thor like missed out on a war. Mm-hmm. Because he's too busy not being Thor. This is like a Thor annual that forgot to have Thor in it. Or like part of a Thor annual while he's doing something else, this is happening, and then Thor joins the story later. Yeah. Which isn't to say it's a bad story, but, you know, as premiere issues go, it's just really yeah. weird. It, yeah. I actually enjoyed reading it uh, for the most part, but it was just weird. Um, mm. I I like that we're continuing the whole world he never made concept they've established with the Hulk the title, you know, this world, not his own. And maybe mm-hmm. that title is actually more appropriate than we, th- than it f- should be because like this whole story is about Thor being about Hulk being in the not Hulk world. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that all mortals know each other. Yes. I guess she's still apparently obsessed with Hercules. I kind of forgot that that happened. Right. Um, Bruce Banner talks. has, he does talk. <laughs> he, he has a, um, what is it? A suicidal ideation on page eight. They don't understand. Oh, yeah. Maybe they're right. Maybe I should be killed, which is something that we've not really gotten from Bruce before. So it kind of feels artificial. Mm-hmm. I didn't really, I don't think we've seen Bruce there and just throwing it here out of nowhere just feels false. Not the greatest time to reveal those thoughts. No, there could have been a more powerful story to do that in, but to be fair, we don't really get a lot of Bruce Banner. So who knows what he thinks? That's true. That's true. Do you remember when Bruce, I'm sorry, when Hulk fought the executioner? Yes, but wasn't it a alternate future? It was in the future. So this is not that executioner. Well, and I I mentioned at the time because I, I had run across information at the time that that was evidently a time-tossed executioner. It just wasn't explained as such in that story. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Thor sometimes throws people through a, a, a space warp and they end up in another time or space. And mm-hmm. that happened to executioner or something like that happened. He ended up in okay. the future and now he's back so, in the present. So it was him. It was him. But that's not established that until 20 years from now. So they really just messed up, I hear, I think. Well, I think this establishes as much as we're ever going to get established. Like this right here saying oh. that executioner. This executioner was that executioner. So that has to be in this guy's past. So somehow he got thrown in the future and now he's back. All he talks about is how he fought him before and he tasted defeat. Yeah. But that's what that story was. Mm. There's no real explanation for how he got there. Um, doop to doop to do. Executioner has not exactly been fawning over the Enchantress in this issue. No. He's actually said a few deriding comments to her. He finds her really annoying. I guess he's over that. I guess he is. But why keep working over there? Because I guess she can kill the Hulk with one point. That's why. And I think he goes back to that later, probably because writers remember that trope and just keep bringing it back. But 
Or he's just um, grumpy that she's so into Hercules. Maybe that's it. Maybe she's so all over Hercules that he just doesn't even try anymore because she's told him no. Yeah. I was wondering if this is going to bleed into Thor, if any of this it, would have any effect in the Thor story. <laughs> it seems like a one-off, which is kind of weird because it's an Asgardian invasion. But Right. Just everything has been feeling so close-knit recently that I feel like uh-huh. it should. But you're right, it probably won't. I, I'm guessing it won't. But but it's good that we got that Thor in a Fantastic Four, right? Because that was more important. Mm. And where did the Hulk go? We do not know. Yeah, well, I thought he said he was going return from whence he came. So I assumed Earth. But yeah, you're right. It doesn't really show him landing anywhere. Nope, he's all in space. Everything going blank, moving so fast. But to where? Yeah. The end. No backstory. We hadn't. We didn't have a single backstory tonight. No Our second second backstory. story. <gasps> oh, you know what we were going to be start doing that we forgot to do? What? We were going to change our best and worst of format. Oh, yeah. I guess it starts we now. We forgot to do that. That starts now. So should we roll the clock back a little bit? Pretend <laughs> that we haven't been talking about the last four issues? Well, okay, yeah. so there are so many comics now, y'all. So many comics that we thought that having a best and worst of the entire month was getting more and more cumbersome. So we thought that we would try doing it every week. Not every episode, okay. but every week of release. Yes. Um, so, so we're talking five um, issues? Yeah, I think so. I'm bringing up the list right now. So we've got Sergeant Fury 52, which mm-hmm. was, um, I'm just going back, let's see. They get put in prison. Oh, that was the triumph at Treblinka. Yeah. They invade a concentration camp, yeah. Um, Strange Tales 167. Which had the end of the yellow Doombot claw mm-hmm. and um, Doctor Strange in the dream dimension fighting Yandroth. Then we had Thor 150, which had Thor versus Hela versus the Wrecker versus the Destroyer with Sif inside. And then also the um, inhuman story where Triton goes to the real world. Mm-hmm. Iron Man and Submariner. So Iron Man versus AIM versus the Magia on a gambling boat that's sinking like the Titanic. Mm-hmm. And call him Destiny or call him Death. Whoa. Namor hearing yeah. all about Destiny's backstory for we don't know why yet. <laughs> and then finally, Captain America 100 with the um, premiere issue of Captain America, Zemo, Black Panther, all that stuff. So that was our first week of release. So mm-hmm. what was your most and least liked from those five well, books? Well, gee, guess my most. That's easy. <laughs> you got to say it or no one will ever know. Okay, I will officially say Captain America 100 is my favorite for the week. Uh-huh. Um, by far. And my least favorite is going to be, I'm kind of waffling because I forgot about that Submariner thing that I don't think I liked. Destiny. But I think Starenko really just flipped us all off with that ending on, on yeah. Dr. Doom. So I'm going to pick that as my worst. Okay. I had written mine down before you said yours, like by seconds. Uh-huh. I had the same selections. Um, mm. Strange Tales 167 was upsetting. Yes. Like, I don't know if I let myself come across as strongly as I felt about that in the episode, <laughs> but I was, I read that and I was angry. Uh, yeah. Cause we put a lot of time in that story. And it's just like, there wasn't even any effort made 
to like explain the whole Doombot aspect of it. It's no. just, nope, they're Doombots, the end, a chess game. So yeah. And Captain America 100, I mean, I liked the Iron Man chapter. Uh, I liked the Sergeant Fury story. Um, I mm. liked the Thor story. Yeah. Captain America 100 had just like bang for your buck and was the most fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Thor would have been my second choice probably because I did like the twist with um, Sif and the Ultimate Destroyer and all that stuff. That was good too. Right. But yeah. Nope. Cap starts off with a bang in his own title. Again. Again. So yeah, so we'll uh, we'll start doing this every week of uh, issues, which means we're going to have these little rundowns more common, but they're also not going to take as long because mm-hmm. we're only going to have you know a handful of issues to talk about. So yeah. Um, anyways, should we talk about our homework for next episode? Homework. Okay, y'all out there in listener land, you're going to want to read five more issues for next episode. Those are The Avengers 50, The X-Men 42, Amazing Spider-Man 59, and that'll finish out January. Then Sergeant Fury 53, and the final issue of Strange Tales, which is issue 168. We made it through, we will have made it through 68 of those things, because we start with 101 with the torch, and 168 will be the final issue. Mm. So anyways, um, where can they find us? You can find us at makeoursmarvel.com. You'll find links to all the popular um, apps, hopefully, or an RSS feed if you like unpopular apps. You'll find, of course, every episode there. You can just play on the website if you like. You'll find links to our social media on Facebook and Twitter, so join in the fun there. I'm still shooting for 1,000 follows on Twitter, so if you haven't followed me on me, us, on Twitter yet, just do it. Just do it. You could you could put us on ignore. Just follow us. I just want the numbers. Um, <laughs> or you can write us a letter to uh, using the website or by writing directly podcast at makearsmarvel.com. Uh, you can also uh, donate to the show via our PayPal link on uh, makearsmarvel.com. So we have recently received a donation from Kevin Ewing. Thank you very much for that, um, Kevin. Really appreciate it. And uh, any size donation is appreciated. Does not have to be large, but um, they're always appreciated. Never expected. The show is free. We just appreciate the um, support. And uh, yeah, so um, I can be found on Twitter at John Reads Comics. Michael can be found on Twitter at Kaiser the Great. The show is at Mike Ars Marvel. And um, we will be back next week. So until then, or until Captain America 100 seems like an issue number that will never come again. Make ours marvel. And with that, it is sadly my duty to let you, the listener, know that this will be the last episode of Make Ours Marvel. We have not been able to get a recording scheduled since the last one due to lots of changes in life and uh, scheduling and lots of other stuff. So um, on behalf of myself and Michael Kaiser, I want to thank all of you for your uh, very lively support in social media, interacting with the show through emails and all the other things and just listening, just downloading and listening and enjoying the show makes us very, very happy to have done it for this long. Um, While I don't completely 100% preclude the idea of this show being revived in the future, I do want to be honest with you up front and say that it is extremely unlikely 
this was from the beginning an open-ended journey that was just going to end whenever it had to end. And uh, now is the time where it looks like it has to end. So um, once again, thank you all for your listening. And um, until Marvel Comics goes bankrupt, make mine, make ours Marvel.